Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Big Shiny Takes. I am your host, Eric Wickham, and I am joined by two wonderful, kind uh, souls. One man by the name of Jeremy Appel, the other by the name of Marino Greco. Marino, how are you doing today? Uh... Always ready for that answer. You're always ready with an answer on that. Jeremy, how are you doing? Not too bad. I've been writing a bunch, so hopefully by the time you're listening, I may have some some pieces out. Mm. And otherwise, yeah, just keeping busy to distract myself from this apocalyptic world we live in and the uncertainty surrounding everything yeah, good times though. Um, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've been reading as <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing so hard at that. Yeah, no, but uh, things are are pretty good. I think we got a lot to talk about today. Oh my god! Yeah, that isn't about my uh, emotional state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's it's like been, what a week. First of it, all, like. Um, not so, I mean, we're going to get to them piece by piece, but there were terrible columns. There were new, there was new news on some scandals in Canadian news and, uh, there were more terrible columns. So, uh, which one do you guys want to talk about first? A couple of old favorites are popping back up. You could say, (laughs) yeah, a couple of very recent old favorites. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This has also been a terrible, terrible week for uh, uh, a podcast favorite of ours, um, the People's Champion Joseph uh, P. Warmington. I don't know what his middle name is, but P. sounds like it fits. Maybe uh, Lamberti knows. Yeah, well, Joe's uh, Joe's great piece on um, Mulligans. I'm. I don't know if you guys have, have taken the time to read it. No, but, I didn't. <laughs> oh my god, I, I screenshot it because it made me so happy. So the hi- the headline is open pot- patios a sign summer has truly arrived and the first two two to three graphs are Hugh McDougall waited a long time to order this this first cold one of the summer I'll have a Canadian please <laughs> said the very first customer at the newly reopened patio at Mulligan's Pub in Mississauga near Dundas Street and Winston Churchill Boulevard <laughs> Sure there were like- lots of jokes about ordering a Corona but McDougall stuck to his favorite Molson Canadian. See, that's Joe's like the ultimate lyricist. He's placing you right in the scene. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's, it's like it, the opening bars to Sicko Mode. <laughs> like just just read that over them, and it's like it fits well. But yeah, yeah. I, I actually, you know, I read the lead. I did read the lead because I remember. Um, Really being impressed by his use of the phrase cold one. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that leads nicely into our next story that we're just going to go over briefly. Because while Joe is the people's champ, he likes (laughs) to take it to the streets, (laughs) you know, do hard hitting stories about his favorite pub. (laughs) that He's clearly drinking and and just needs something to write about. Yeah. I I would say Rex Murphy is more of a stay at home type. Would would you agree with that? (laughs) He's he's a a real homebody for sure. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so he wrote a column about how since quarantine began, he's been subsisting solely on craft dinner. Now, I don't think he's actually been doing that. Um, I think (laughs) it was a typical Rex Murphy attempt at lightheartedness and satire after the racist vitriol he's been writing for the past few weeks. Yeah, I will. You know what? It's funny. A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours from J school who worked at a Sobeys downtown said he saw Rex Murphy come in and like shop at like the deli counter. Like, like he worked at the hot food counter, rather. Sorry, hot food counter. So he's like going to a Sobeys to get prepared food. So it's oh, like no. Rex Murphy might be like rich and like elitist in some senses, but he also has like, a, I think a bit of this weird, like old Canadian cheapness like that. Like, yeah, I'll get like the, uh, just the hot an, food in, at a Sobeys. Yeah. Like, and an incapability in the kitchen. Like he clearly can't cook for himself. Um, but like. I don't like when Rex Murphy tries to be satirical because he doesn't understand what kind of funny he is at all. Like I feel I feel like Rex is the type of funny that you laugh at for being terrible. Like it's like you're laughing at him. I don't think anybody's ever laughed with Rex Murphy ever. He's on like purpose. he's he's Dave Rubin funny. Yeah, it's like tragic how dumb and stupid his opinions. <laughs> but 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 Dave Rubin is way dumber, right? Like Rex, as we discussed a couple episodes ago, is a Rhodes Scholar, and like Conrad Black, he loves to bloviate, flourish his columns. Yeah, he likes. To, he's a bloviator, huge bloviator. Yeah, he's a loser. Dude. And but but so he wrote this attempt at satire where he's eating mac and cheese all day, every day. And would you know what page it landed on in the national post? You would hope you you would hope it wouldn't land at all in any paper, but it was on the front page. Yeah. Unreal. Un friggin real. That would, (laughs) it, it's embarrassing for the industry, truly, honestly. Like, it goes beyond the National Post. At, mm, no, maybe that's not fair. It's it, it could only happen in the Post, to be honest. Because they have no editorial standards whatsoever. And Jen Gerson, who used to work at National Post and now, I think, writes for McLean's and co-hosts a show on Candleland with uh, Grimes' mom, uh, Sandy Garcino. You're going to get blocked, and. Dude. <laughs> she follows me. I, 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 she's a good journalist. But in any event, uh, she also uh, Jen Gerson um, tweeted out an old piece of hers on, uh, from National Post about cauliflower. She's like, National Post runs these quirky, lighthearted pieces all the time on the front page, and it's like. And, and I, you know, I, I have some degree of respect for, for Jen Gerson. I think when she was at the Post, she was one of the least repugnant columnists. Mm-hmm. The bar is low. But, yeah, the bar is very low. But I, she seems like a nice person. She said nice things about me when the worm stuff happened. So, um, but but in, in any event, I mean, that's problem, Jen. You've mm-hmm. identified a problem with National Post, and that mm-hmm. it's not a serious <laughs> newspaper. But at the same time, it has all these pretensions to seriousness yeah. via 
Conrad Black, Rex Murphy, and another guy, another guy who um, clearly isn't edited, right? I mean, I asked Matt Gurney on Twitter. We've been, <laughs> I've been going pretty ham on him lately. He always and, responds. He's so sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like can't help himself. He's enjoying his cottage so much he has to fight you on Twitter for seven hours. <laughs> but yeah, so so Matt Gurney is the opinion editor of National Post, proud cottage owner. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked him in the wake of Rex Murphy's diatribe we spoke about a couple weeks ago. Do do you edit him at all? And he was like, yeah, we do. Like, I know you don't think so, but we do. And I was like, okay, what about Conrad Black? Crickets. <laughs> yeah, of course. And yeah. I, there's, I always, think... there's always at least one that is like, it's it, it's like the Ark of the Covenant or something. I, except it's so not, which is the funny part. I don't think they edit Rex, though. No. Like, I'm, I'm going to suggest that Matt Gurney maybe telling a little fib maybe well he was being rightfully criticized for his role in completely just letting that racist editorial that murphy wrote about how racism isn't real in canada <laughs> oh my god um and so he was he really like sort of threw himself <laughs> In front, into the firing line for Rex, right? He said Rex is like one of the easiest journalists I've had to edit. He's a class act. And it's like, well, yeah, it's easy to edit someone when you don't. When you yeah, don't. Fuck him too. When his ideas are like equally dumb as yours. Like Matt has, yeah. has had some all-time stupid columns as well. So like maybe the problem yeah. isn't just Rex. Maybe it's also you, Matthew. Well, COVID shows we need to... Uh, beef up our military like that that why why are you silencing matt gurney for his opinion why can't you just argue with him in the plane of ideas yeah um <laughs> you know but, i would our, but our, i'm not his neighbor at the cottage so i don't want to take away <laughs> time um that he could be sending us pictures of his uh of his waterfront <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really leans into the cottage owning elitist who fails up. Dude, he's such a dork. Um, I mean, fair play for him actually responding to us because we were just we were in like a bullying mood on a Saturday, and he just like walked into it, and it was really really fun. At least on my my end, I I enjoyed you know saying mean things to him, and he dealt with it pretty well. Like he didn't block either of us. No. In fact, you just make smug remarks um, that are like, I know you are, but what am I? Type of shit. Which is great. I mean, that's that's how you become the opinion editor of a national newspaper. <laughs> that's completely an ideological project that's been failing since when it started. Just you, you have money. to be a complete idiot. And that's what Matt Gurney is, and he plays a role. But we mentioned Lord Black and Rex Murphy. Now, there's a third person that there's no way the National Post edits a word of what they write. I'm talking about a guy who who had been left for dead for a while. Who, 
as far as we know, is currently at some weird detox facility in Serbia. <laughs> or he's dead. I mean, nobody's seen him. Yeah, after after being put into a coma in another weird rehab facility in Russia, Russia. I'm, of course, talking about Daddy Lobster himself, Jordan fucking Peterson. He's back. No, you're you're all wrong. You know where Jordan Peterson is right now? He's on Mars like Dr. Manhattan <laughs> meditating on the plane of ideas fucking gathering power. All right. And he's he's just about ready to reemerge. I think it's either that or he's dead. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, even beyond the grave, he's just bombarding us with stupid ideas. And I'm sure he'll be grifting long after he's dead. Yeah. And so this piece is, like, really poorly written. Yeah. Like, it's like the worst of Rex and Conrad just using these big words when small words were, will do, just making obscure illusions that no one no and, and peterson's the master of that yeah that's why he has this cult following because he's so deliberately obscure that people who don't know anything about the issues he's talking about think he must be on to something he's a smart guy because <laughs> he's using ten dollar words to you know push five cent ideas <laughs> this is uh this is this entire piece is about uh, how the activist community is now coming for hard science, which, by right. the way, he's not a hard scientist. He's a Jungian psychologist. Um, he's a doctor <laughs> of psychology. So he's not that's not him, first of all. So maybe maybe he shouldn't be talking about this. Well, that's the thing with Jordan Peterson. On the one hand, when it comes to trans people, he's a scientist. He's a biologist, right? Mm. Like trans people aren't real because science, it's a Marxist plot. But then he also says that dragons and witches are real. <laughs> <laughs> and that like autistic And like talks people, about the archetypes and shit. Yeah, yeah. And I think he, he once said that autistic people just have really high levels of serotonin. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. fuck me. Yeah. I think it was testosterone. I think he said testosterone. Um, what did I say? You said serotonin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Testosterone. He was saying yeah. that they're high T. Yeah, which is <laughs> like a crazy thing to say. And of course, I'm sure he would like to disagree with me. Well, he he cured depression by eating all beef <laughs> and getting addicted to, <laughs> to benzos <laughs> and put in a coma in Russia before being whisked <laughs> to a rehab clinic in Serbia where. He was last seen. So how did none of this make into his self-help book? Like how is like step 13 is like, get addicted to Klonopin, (laughs) go to Russia, be in a coma. I just keep thinking back to the video of Michaela Peterson saying like, the medical system in North America is (laughs) obviously so messed up or whatever it was. (laughs) Which I'm sure is true. Uh, I'm yeah. sure our medical system is messed up. I'm just not convinced it's Russia and than... Serbia <laughs> are better. I think they're just giving them what they want. And what they want is this abstinence program that yeah. is insane and could kill him and cause serious brain damage. And mm-hmm. 
I think we'll let the listener decide whether Peterson has been affected by this detox regimen or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of classic Peterson, but even more unhinged than usual. It's honestly, to me, reading this, and we shouldn't be reviewing it before we read it, but I felt like he clearly has jumped the shark with this thing. I think even his shtick is old now, and and it just seems more transparent. There's more um, aware grifters out there that can write more infuriating piece than he can these days. So I think uh, I think this might be the, the beginning of the end for uh, JP. I think the beginning of the end was when he was put into a coma in <laughs> Russia. Coma. That's my... And, and you know, I, I, I forgot to mention this, but in his time away, mm-hmm. I sort of... I don't want to say got an appreciation for Jordan Peterson, but he sort of became a more lovable kook in my eyes because I hadn't heard him speak or written, <laughs> read his dribble in a very long time. And... Yeah. You know, and and just we're not making fun of him for being an addict. No, there's nothing wrong with being an addict. We're making fun of him for being a self-help guru who dabbles in far right rhetoric. Yeah. And and got addicted to benzos, which is very different. Yeah. And then decided that the solution should be going to Russia and Serbia. Yeah. I mean, that's programs. Yeah, that's kooky. That's fun. It's yeah. like I, I like that. It's lovable. It's and human. Also, it's, it's human. You just get, get addicted to the benzos. You, you uh, go to Russia, you be in a coma. This is all a direct result. And this is my opinion, and there's no scientific basis to back this up. This is all a direct result of Jordan and that monk debate where he got slapped by my fellow countryman, <laughs> uh, Slavoj Žižek, who sniffled and stomped all over Jordan Peterson's lukewarm ideas. And uh, and sent them into a downward spiral. So, at a boy Slavoj. Yeah, I don't even like Zizek. Yeah, me neither. Absolutely <laughs> destroyed Peterson. Like Zizek. Let's talk about Zizek for one minute. Like Zizek is the left wing Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like he's, he's like a total a, kook who obsessed with political this, correctness. Yeah, obsessed with political correctness has this cult following who slavishly hangs on to every word he says. He writes uh, deliberately, obscurely. Like, Zizek yeah, yeah, yeah. sucks. And he says a lot of problematic <laughs> I shit. Yeah, I don't like that approach to leftism. Yeah, but he um, but he actually read Marx, and they had a discussion on Marxism, <laughs> so he won the debate. And it was, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny to watch. So Yeah, well, my favorite part of that debate is when he demands Jordan Peterson name him one postmodern Marxist. <laughs> and Peterson is just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's I just the culture on college campuses <laughs> well i mean mr peterson has had a history of going after neo-marxists or um postmodern postmodern marxism and uh he's always deliberately vague on that i think it's easier to not point the finger because then people can actually come back and tell him why he's such an idiot it's much easier fighting an invisible uh, enemy, right? Yeah, my, my good buddy, uh, Ethan Feldman, was at that debate, and he messaged me when he was there and said, there are a lot of fucking incels here. 
Oh my god! The <laughs> night that debate happened, I was like riding a, a subway home uh, after my shift with actual people who work in news and think normal thoughts, and there were just like a fucking troop of fedora dudes like discuss- discussing the merits of the debate, and I was like, "Wow, that but could not, that's like could not be a less interesting scene." Were they Peterson or Zizek fans? I for, I think some of the, like they were like some were on one side and some were on another. Oh, nice! So they were have they were they were battling in the realm of ideas. Exactly, as, yeah, as one should. Boy. Now let's get to this. <laughs> let's get to this shitty piece. There's lots we can say about Jordan forced monogamy, Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! But let's 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 get to it here. Because he's got a lot to say too, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and read this. Oh, thank God, I didn't want to read it. <laughs> as oh. as Jordan Peterson crying, <laughs> because that those are my favorite my favorite Jordan Peterson videos are when he cries about, about like the death of individualism or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and how. Like, no one cares about white men anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, at the very least, read it like Peterson. But I'm going to try and read it like crying Peterson. So you guys ready for this? Oh, yes. Yeah. I am absolutely ready. stop laughing first. <sighs> okay. Okay, I'm good. So many... <laughs> men- <laughs> okay. Okay. Fuck okay. it. I'm just doing we this. We got this. We got yeah, this. Yeah, we got this. So many mis- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put myself on mute. <laughs> we need this. Yeah, put yourselves on mute. I'm going to take some deep breaths. <laughs> and I'm going to try and read at least this first paragraph. Like Jordan Peterson, crying if I can. But, I mean, I am crying right now of laughter, so that's good. <laughs> good (laughs) so many messages (laughs) this is all staying in right yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's staying in for sure (laughs) (laughs) so many (laughs) messages I can't do it I'm just gonna read it so many messages of appalling idiocy Detestable envy, an envy embarrassing to behold. See, right there, you know Matt Gurney didn't edit him because you don't need to be a copy editor to know that the correct half of that sentence should read, so many messages of appalling idiocy and detestable envy embarrassing to behold. He says envy twice, separated by a comma. That's just shitty writing. This that That's like... Like... Jordan Peterson take a writing class challenge. Yeah, well, it's he's been um, telling people exactly how they should be living their lives. Well, he's been a, a functional disaster for most of his. So, I mean, I, I doubt he would take uh, take any writing classes. Can, can you try the voice again, please? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I promise I won't laugh. <laughs> okay. So many. <laughs> So many messages of appalling idiocy, detestable envy, and envy embarrassing to behold. Cross my desk in the last fortnight that I found myself in the rare position of having too much to record. 
a writer's dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it gets so oh, yeah. good. <laughs> so, so first off, that sentence is very poorly constructed, right? We, yeah, we can yeah. all agree on that. We're all... <laughs> Mm-hmm. professional writers to some degree yeah me technically i guess but nah. yeah but anyways why is he saying detestable envy and envy embarrassing to behold yeah when, those are the same thing yeah it's detestable envy embarrassing to behold right he's talking mm. about envy those aren't two separate types of envy mm. and if they are say that start off there are two types of envy there's detestable envy and envy embarrassing to behold and explain how those are different. But Jordan Peterson, say what you will about the guy's ideas, which are dog shit, but he can't write for shit. No. But the content also indicated that the bell is tolling and that I am one of those for whom the death knell sounds. Now, I like that <laughs> reference to the fact that he's dying. Mm-hmm. But again, I am not convinced that he is alive and that this is him (laughs) because so far off the bat, it sounds like a computer was fed a Jordan Peterson column and it just spit it out. Yeah. Keep that in mind as we're reading because it it doesn't get any more lifelike. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, I was just going to say like, he's either hinting towards his actual, you know, run in with death or his, uh, eventual death in the public sphere where uh, he will no longer be relevant even to his most hardcore supporters, which happens to all of them. The grift runs out eventually, right? Well, they move on to the next one, right? Like Sam Harris, I think, was like the original Jordan Peterson in that he was master of the, I'm not saying what I'm about <laughs> to say, so don't misinterpret me. But here I go. Yeah. And that is classic Peterson, right? When, Mm -hmm. for example, in that Vice interview where he's like, we need rules if men and women are to work together. Like, no makeup in the workplace. (laughs) And, (laughs) yeah. And and his, um, his fans were all like, that's not what he said. He literally said he wasn't saying that beforehand. And it's like, yeah, but he was still saying it. Yeah, he literally said it just because you said i'm not saying like can you imagine if adolf hitler was like no i'm not saying the jews are vermin could you imagine if wendy mesley said no i'm not saying (laughs) (laughs) during that meeting because i feel like she might have yeah she maybe she would have had a better argument but anyways (laughs) let's continue on with this pile of shit I have watched the universities of the Western world devour themselves in a myriad of fatal errors over the past two decades and take little pleasure in observing the inevitable unfold. It is a failing of human reason with all its limitations, ego, and pretensions to serve as Cassandra to derive a certain satisfaction in watching the ship whose demise was foretold to breach its hull on the rocks hidden from all other observers. <laughs> now, what okay. is he talking about? Well, okay, like like at all good post-media columnists, he's talking about himself, right? Yeah. He's saying the scene that I've been I've been blowing the whistle on this for the past four years. 
And right, like that's what Cassandra is, right? He is he is presenting himself as the Cassandra, as any good cult leader does, right? He is this courageous soul that is speaking <laughs> the truth, even if it's unpopular. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's sad is his truth is that he wants to prevent society from progressing so that he doesn't have to relearn how to function within it. Please continue. It is also necessary to note that the catastrophic failures of process and aim, which I am about to relate, were by no means hidden from the public view by the persons and institutions in question. They were instead positively trumpeted to all by multiple attempts to harness the powers of social media and announced more traditionally in a press releases designed to indicate the success of some great and laudable moral striving. It is nothing less than a desired day when the proud revelation of vices of deadly and multifarious seriousness served to substitute the announcements of genuine and valuable achievement. But this is where we at, at. Make no mistake about it. I'm sweating right now. This is... It's just, and it's it's almost, I mean, all our criticisms of Jordan Peterson, I think, are trite at this point. But I think this passage in particular reminds me of the fact that he's always talking about these group politics of grievance, right? Mm-hmm. That this is postmodernism and Marxism, that people are just resentful. It pits people against each other and makes them be resentful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but that paragraph um, sounded pretty resentful, especially since he was about to cry while he was doing it. <laughs> while he was well, he's, it. he's the, the perfect hypocrite, right? Like, he's so against the politics of grievance, unless he's the person wielding the hammer, right? Like, he's, he's so... He's so against people having different ideas of how the world works that he'll mm. he'll sick his like weird fedora wearing um, idiot fans on them, and then they'll uh, <laughs> they'll harass the people. Um, he also founded a website more recently. Um, did you hear about that? I think this this is before he like went to Russia. His pilgrimage to Russia. He. He founded a free speech social media website that you had to pay to post on. Oh, my God. So, and that says a lot about this right-wing conception of free speech that Peterson is the ultimate champion of. It's like, if you got the money, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Snowflakes be triggered. That's literally not free speech. But but yeah, it's literally the opposite. It's paid speech. <laughs> paid but compelled speech. speech. But and you want to know compelled. who the top posters on this free speech website were? Because we know that Peterson, I mean, he's just a moderate guy who wants to bring people together in smash cultural Marxism, right? He's not like a right winger or, or alt-right or any of that. that that's slander. Right, <laughs> we don't want to slander him, right? Yeah, yeah, we would hate that. Um, I would love to guess, and I don't know, I don't know who the top posters were, 
but I'm, I'm gonna guess some weird combination of red pill idiots on the internet um, or just like flat out Nazis. Okay, so here here is uh, ThinkSpot's top user, a guy by the name of Stefan Molyneux. <laughs> oh, <Mississauga>. Of course. <laughs> uh, race scientist. He literally thinks that black people have lower IQs than white people because their skulls are smaller. Uh, and uh, would, would you believe he was also a cult leader? Oh, no way. He was encouraging his really? followers. And like, not like Peterson, who is very much in a proverbial sense. Mm-hmm. But Molyneux is like literally telling his followers to leave their families if they don't agree with his like ideology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there are more. Like... There are more. John, sorry, John DePrisco, who posts J.D. DePrisco. And... He's a Catholic pro-life gun owner who believes in QAnon. Oh, sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having a normal one. Yeah. And so, sorry. Another guy named G.M. Gauthier. Uh, I wonder I what great ideas he had. Probably who does. has a gab page very cool and is transphobic which you know perfect is, perfect for uh yeah oh and he's into phrenology like oh yeah phrenology. okay sick sick <laughs> oh and, and and finally an anti-vaxxer named lapis so this is all the free speech money can buy yeah yeah but but we digress <laughs> let's let's get back to let's get back to what mr peterson's talking about the first story emerges at Brock <laughs> University in cahoots with the scientific journal Enguante Chemi, the former an educational institution of moderate reputability, the latter a prestigious place of scientific publication among chemists. It is no easy matter to find a permanent tenured faculty position at such a university or to publish research findings of literature reviews slash summaries in a peer-reviewed scientific journal. The latter poses generally requires several years and multiple resubmissions in rounds of editing by a minimal of three colleagues with expertise in the field per submission, as well as approval by the editor. Ngiwante has a rejection rate of 80%, and it should be noted that rejection rate only accounts for papers in the submitting researchers felt were of sufficient quality to be considered. So, I just like that specific point is is such classic person who's been stuck in the academic world for his entire adult life because no one gives a shit. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, literally no one gives a fuck. Except for academics who you're always talking about are communist spies. Like it, okay, so they accept 80% of submissions that clear the first round. And they're this reputed academic journal. And I like the dig he throws in at Brock University. <laughs> like, okay, Mr. University of Toronto. Yeah. He could have uh, he could have written that, you know, if you could walk and talk, you could go there. But uh I guess that's beneath him. 
And so he continues, Dr. Thomas Hudlicky. <laughs> uh, Dr. Good doctor. Dr. Thomas Hudlicky of Brock submitted an essay memorializing and updating a piece written 30 years ago, which has been widely recognized as powerfully influencing the direction of chemistry, the chemistry subfield in question, organic synthesis. The good doctor holds a prestigious Canada research chair, a position funded by a large federal initiative devoting about 300 million per year in an attempt to attract to Canada or encourage to stay researchers who are of particular promise, as evidenced primarily by their research productivity. That, in turn, can be measured with reasonable objectivity with metrics such as the number <laughs> of peer-reviewed articles in relevant scientific journals. More than 400 in Hudlicky's case. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Peterson goes on for a few paragraphs about how accomplished this guy is and how qualified he is to talk about um, what organic chemi- organic synthesis in that the paper was peer reviewed passed through all the hoops hoops and then of Hudlicky surmises with regard to the state of organic synthesis raised the ire of a twitter mob howling about academic feudalism and calling it an anti-diversity screed um you know, Jordan Peterson, of course, has never sent a Twitter mob after anyone, right? <laughs> no, not not once. But also, like, I feel like in this post, he doesn't actually illuminate the, the point that the Twitter mob is so unjustly bringing up. Like, he avoids it entirely. Well, it wouldn't be the National Post if he didn't, that would it? Yeah, it's, it's like, these people are making a bad point. Over there, and it's, it's you know, they're attacking a person I like, so uh, how dare they? And he just didn't bother to fill us in on what these people did. Or they thought. So he whines about how Twitter, how people are mean on Twitter, yeah. which again... How they, didn't like, how they didn't like an idea that he likes. Yeah, he's such a fucking baby. Honestly, like, the worst thing in the world to him is someone disagreeing with him publicly and then laughing at him. And it's like, he's so easy to mock. He's like a a frail old man that sounds like Kermit the Frog. Well, you know what it is? Um, It's that he takes himself so seriously. (laughs) Like, he literally (laughs) sees himself as a prophetic figure. I mean, when he was on... He was on, I think, um, Carol Auth's show. Yeah, yeah, as it happens. Which he said was a very biased interview. She was not nice to him, like Trump shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She rules, but by he has, the way. Like, but he has a PhD. Yeah, and he told her that he has this prophecy about how if the left continues <laughs> on its path, there's a beast... Of the far right sleeping. And my prophecy is that it will awaken. And it's like, okay, bitch, you don't get to have prophecies. It's the fucking 21st century. <laughs> this reads like this. This It really reads like 
like a fan comment or something like your favorite show uh an actor like stopped playing a character because it was racialized and they thought that was the right thing to do i'm gonna quit this show never again how dare you like that that's basically the same kind of feeling i get from this article to me it, it reads like beowulf the column like it's it's so dumb like he's like i'm so smart Check this out, guys. As uh, Tabitha Sufi observed, he is the stupid man smart person. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, he just uses words that smart people use, but if you go underneath them, and all these guys, Rex and Lord Black, are completely bereft of ideas, but yes. I think there's, like, this level of respect for, like, academics that shouldn't be there, because really a lot of the work that they do is essentially pointless. I mean, Jordan Peterson could have lived and died and nobody would have had to know about him if he didn't decide to not respect trans people. Like he, he's famous because of his bigotry. Yeah. In, in presenting his bigotry in such a way that given the set of facts he sets out, he, he says, I, I I I'm not objecting to calling anyone anything. I just don't want to be forced to do it. But the very legislation that he came to prominence critiquing without any sort of background to do so, mm-hmm. any sort of expertise in the matter, doesn't do anything of that sort. It literally just updates the criminal code so that anti-trans bigotry can be a factor of many when prosecuting a hate crime, right? That hate crimes Mm -hmm. can be committed against trans people, from my understanding. And then there's the human rights code stuff, which is really just, I mean, human rights, sorry, human rights tribunal, which don't actually have any power. (laughs) They just denounce you. And and there are valid uh, criticisms to be made of them, but we won't go into those. But suffice it to say, uh, Pearson... His entire career is based on a lie. Yeah. And everything that followed flowed through that is just him doubling down on this lie and saying, look how these people want to silence me. And yeah. I mean, there are people who do want to silence Peterson, and I don't think that's constructive or helpful. But saying he has no idea what he's talking about isn't silencing him. Yeah. That time he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I actually I stomached and I, I sat through the entire thing and he talked about how he monetized being anti-SJW and he giggled with Joe Rogan about how he made all this money just being the anti-SJW. And I thought that was very, very illuminating about how much, one, he respects the people that he uh, he's selling shit to. He clearly thinks they're stupid. And on top of that, like... That's the entire basis for all the stuff that he does. He just wants to upset people enough to then get the reactionary right to go. No, he's smart. Yeah, he's a total kook. And I think has been exposed as such with his sojourn in the Balkans (laughs) and Russia. What were Hadlucky's sins? His 12-page document about 4,000 words dealt with topics affecting organic synthesis research and communication. 
covering topics such as the range of research options available, integrity, and trustworthiness of the relevant literature, transference of skills from mentor to trainee, impact of information technology, the corporatization of the university environment, the effect of new technology, the diversity of available workforce, and the competition from resources among researchers. Um, that was a long ass sentence. Like that was at least a hundred words. Again, if Matt Gurney wasn't totally useless, he would have chopped that up. He's but... at his cottage. He's busy. He's got to make salmon for all the friends he doesn't have. No, like some guys are wife guys. Uh, Matt Gurney is a cottage guy. <laughs> like he's, is he a divorced dad? He's got all the energy of a divorced dad. But He's I, got I don't know. big divorced dad energy. But in yeah. any event, this isn't about uh, Matt Gurney. Um, yeah, it's about your so anyways, unbelievable Jordan Peterson impression. Um. <laughs> However, Hudlicky voiced a smattering of opinions deemed unacceptable by that small number of people who both read his submission and were somewhat active on Twitter. Here are the sentences constituting his wrong think, which I have paraphrased slightly for length. (laughs) He used the word wrong think. Under diversity of workforce, in the last two decades, many groups have been designated with preferential status, despite substantive increases in the recruitment of women and minorities. Preferential treatment of one group leads inexorably to disadvantages for another. Each candidate should have an equal opportunity to secure a position regardless of personal identification and categorization. Hiring practices that aim at equality of outcome is counterproductive. If it results in discrimination against the most notorious candidates, such practice has also led to the emergence of mandatory training workshops on gender equity, inclusion, diversity, and discrimination. So those apparently <laughs> objectionable words constitute 90 of 4,000, a small proportion of the essay and the proffering of an opinion that insists if not that diversity, inclusivity, and equality provisions necessarily produce prejudicial hiring practices, but that they may, under some conditions and with sufficient lack of caution, have exactly that effect. Okay, I have no clue what the fuck that means. Who's going to listen to this all the way like I have no fuss, uh, no clue what he means. That's cl- which is classic Peterson. But from what I gather, um, this Hudlicky fellow, which I love to say in the Jordan Peterson accent, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. went a bit James Demore yeah, in yeah, this yeah. academic journal that he used this platform he had to talk about organic synthesis. To talk about like diversity in the workplace completely yeah. unsolicited. And it was short, so it wasn't caught by the editors who were reading about organic synthesis, mm-hmm. but people were pissed off and they criticized it on Twitter, which to Peterson 
is like the equivalent of a beheading. Yeah, yeah. It's but that's <laughs> just because he's he's like the most sensitive person in the entire world. Like yeah, like literally. Like he cries and please, if you, we're going to put these in the show notes. I can think of at least two videos, three videos, I think. Cause there's that one where he's crying about frozen. Right. And how it's just <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not making this shit up. Frozen, the fucking Pixar yeah. movie. Yeah. Because I get it, it. Teaches, like, <laughs> Look, and I'm one of the few people who have never seen frozen. Like it's one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Haven't seen it. But in any event, I don't think it's worth crying over. No, it's a children's movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my and, and part. you can tell this Hudlicky guy is a Peterson fan. Like you can tell, because in in addition to that, like anti diversity screed, um, he also talked about. How the teacher-student relationship? Well, I'll 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 leave it to Peterson. Hadlicky described <laughs> two conditions which must be Fuck. met if the successful transfer of skills is to occur. First, the knowledge in question must be transferred within three generations, or risk being lost forever. Second, there must be an unconditional submission of the apprentice to his or her master. This applies not only in the sciences, but also in art, music and marital arts. Sub- <laughs> Mar- <Sorry>. Martial arts. <laughs> Submission to one's mentor is rarely attainable today. Many students are unwilling to submit to any level of hard work demanded by professors. The university (laughs) does not support professors in this endeavor as it views students as financial assets and hence protects them from any undue hardship that may be demanded by their masters. (laughs) Not true. Patently, patently untrue. I went to UFT for a fucking undergrad and I felt like I constantly stressed and completely overworked. But also who gives a shit? Like, why does he think that this is the only way that society functions with professors being shitty to grad students? But and we, we and we must all be absolute bootlickers until we know things. It's, apparently, it's like, who gives a shit? So, firstly, he said it was only ninety words. That was just the first example. Now, um, an additional one seventy words. Mm. He's saying so. Not exactly just ninety words that people were upset by. We're now up at uh, two sixty words, which is the the. The length that when I was at a post media paper, they encouraged us to keep our reporting stories. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that doesn't apply when you are Jordan Peterson back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I'm still not buying. Nothing I have read convinces me that he is alive. But as we all know, Peterson is all about that trad wife life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is the willingness to undertake this apprenticeship, Fuck. as well as the capability of superseding it, that makes up the master in master's degree <laughs> designation that Brock still grants, despite potentially colonial overtones, at least as damning as those that characterize Hudlicky's writing. 
This is the sum total of Hudlicky's academic crimes. He has faced severe retaliation on no less than six separate fronts for his hypothetically unforgiving, uh, unforgivable thoughts. I just get so mad. <laughs> Two we have already discussed and far more. Did he actually including... write, I just get so mad? <laughs> no, that was me. Okay. <laughs> or that was Jordan Peterson because he's literally on the podcast right now. The two we have already discussed and four more, including third, the cancellation of an entire issue of the Journal of Synthesis published by Theme, which was dedicated to his 70th birthday and for which invitations had already been sent to more than 40 prominent scientists. Fourth, the elimination of any mention of his work in yet another journal, Highlights in Chemistry. And then, like, the European Chemical Society um, said mean things about him, and (laughs) his colleagues at Brock University criticized him. So so people in this guy's field and his direct colleagues went, no, fuck this guy. And Jordan Peterson, who... um, is a psychologist, I just want to bring that point up again, um, has been in Russia and now Serbia <laughs> for almost a year, almost a year, and hasn't been a, hasn't worked a day in U of T for like, what, like three years now? Is now all of a sudden wrapped up in academic politics. I love that he believes in this static form of mastery too that has been thoroughly debunked by evil postmodernism. Yeah. Just like... Like, the, no, the, we're just supposed to, like, unquestioningly accept this dude who has credentials, knows what he's talking about. No, no, no we're going to criticize his fucking shitty idea. He's uh, he's playing Dungeons and Dragons in, like, the real world. He he thinks he's a wizard. Yes. It's so, yes. so embarrassing. And honestly. Like, yeah, like, as Canadians. Um, so... There, there are a few points that are pretty hilarious, especially when read by Jordan Peterson himself, <laughs> that I want to go through. But I also, before that, just wanted to suggest, has this Hudlicky guy ever considered maybe cleaning his room? <laughs> and like, you know, bettering himself before he goes out in the world and tells people... Two other recent incident events drive these points home. A highly cited professor of physics, who I cannot name, at a university I cannot name either. <laughs> Suffice it to say that the former has garnered a hundred plus publications and seven thousand plus citations in a highly technical field. Had his standard Canadian federal grant application rejected <laughs> because he had failed to sufficiently. Detail his plans to ensure diversity, inclusivity, and equity. Die. Die. Practices while conditioned. Sorry, just another hint at his impending demise. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. He he just sees death all around. If you look at the first letter of each line, it spells out "I'm dead" over and over again. It's wild. Yeah. He has become death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Now standard practice for university hiring boards to insist that their faculty job application 
applicants submit a die plan with their curriculum vitae, <laughs> a terribly dangerous occurrence of its own. <laughs> I believe that the fundamental reason such plans are required, particularly of those who practice in the so-called hard STEM fields, is so that those who could not hope to assess the quality of research endeavors in those specialties as a consequence of their own inability or ignorance can be made to, into judges by enforcing the adoption of standards of attitude and behavior that have nothing to do with the fields in question. Uh, kind of like what your buddy Hudlicky did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, what, were we just going to, like, let Jeffrey Dahmer be a chemist? Like, what, what, where's the, the level of, of behavior that we, we are not allowed to enforce, right? Like, and what, this, this is so close to diversity is white genocide. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what, he's not saying it, but he's saying it. That, because that's his whole shtick, that white mm-hmm. heterosexual men are the most oppressed class. And I know people are going to, you know, Peterson listeners, if you're Peterson fans, if you're listening, (laughs) I know I'm misinterpreting him, but literally there are a million videos of him hitting home at that same point. Perhaps not in those exact words, but I'm a fucking journalist. I paraphrase shit for a living. So eat a bag of dicks. Yeah. Uh, But also like he's talking in in this specific part about how, people that are not qualified to be evaluating um, work in hard, like in hard sciences um, are now able to be judges. And it's like, you're judging the practice right now and you are not in that field. So again, you're doing this thing where you're inserting yourself as an expert about it and you have no idea. You just want it to be a certain way and it's not. Is not going yeah, and, and that's his mo, right? Like, who are all these charlatans in gender studies programs to you know talk about these historical and social issues that should be taught in like a very traditional, outdated format? But then it's like, well, who is this clinical psychologist to talk about the fucking Bible and <laughs> politics? And history. So, yeah, you know, in Peterson is the classic free speech for me, not for thee, hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so I'm, there's, there's one last paragraph I'm just going to read. But first. Okay, and I'm going to hold my breath. Qualified and expert research in such fields are already in great danger of being pushed aside by activists of the proper opinion. The rest of us will pay in the longer run when we no longer have the will or the capacity to make use of the rare talents that make people highly competent and productive as scientists, technological innovators, engineers, or mathematicians. Wake up, STEM denizens! Your famous immunity to political correctness concerns will not protect you against what is headed your way fast over the next five or so years. 
I, I just, I don't know. Like, and like you write, you are reading it in that tone, but that's how he's writing it. And I'm just like, I'm like, why are you so panicked about this? Like, why are you, right. what, what breakthroughs in organic chemistry are you waiting for, Jordan? Are you waiting for a better clonopin? Is that what you're, like, I don't, I don't know what you're possibly that upset with. And I don't know how um, being nice to people of color is going to change anything. I just don't understand. There's issues yeah. in STEM about diversity. Um, there are very clear gatekeeping issues in the academy because there's uh, deranged idiots like Jordan Peterson there. Um, well, you have to understand <laughs> that hierarchies reward competence. <laughs> All right, that piece was obviously trash. It's unreadable. Don't fucking read it. Don't give it the clicks that we already did. Just listen to our podcast and tell your friends to. Now, please make fun of Jordan Peterson mercilessly on Twitter because he takes this shit so seriously and it is fucking laughable. uh, All the comments section is just like, like there's a few people like trying to like combat it and they're all getting disliked by his dumb cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, sure, have your cult, have your shitty ideas. And uh, everyone else is completely laughing at you. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think he has control over his Twitter account anymore. Nor do I think he has control over his physical and mental faculties. <laughs> and and that's why I want to ask you guys, what what's the verdict? Is Pearson alive? dead or on or on mars the idea of peterson is very alive i i I mean if he's not alive he wrote that piece from beyond the grave because it's like so quintessentially him in that he's he's so self-assured and he's offering nothing um it's just it's it's too on the nose to be um a loose parody like like unless (laughs) unless michaela's been writing for him four years i i i just i feel like it's him so you think he's back from the dead yeah yeah or maybe he whispered it to her um grab a pen i need to tell you something (laughs) he's doing that (laughs) yes but as as i was saying michaela come here bring me a ham sandwich (laughs) The refusal of research grant applications. <laughs> it's cultural Marxism. Yeah. All right, guys. What, that was obviously, like, that was even bad by Jordan Peterson's standards. Yeah, and that's terrible. why I'm not convinced he wrote it. And frankly, I'm not convinced he's alive. Changed my mind. Any of you guys should come on the pod. Yeah, no. Jordan Peterson, please come on the podcast. Again. I mean, you did great reading your own article there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Honestly, Jordan Peterson, come on the podcast and read your next column in a Vincent Price voice challenge. (laughs) Or do a Jeremy impression. That would be fun. Yeah, no, that would be sick. I would love that. Um, But I would also, like, if Alan Dershowitz wants to come on the pod and tell us his side of the story. We just want answers, Alan. Yeah, I, I would love, like, he won't turn down a media opportunity. And, I mean, we have, like, 150 listeners. Yeah. That's, that's, like, 150 people whose minds you can change, Alan. Exactly. 
So did you guys read anything good this week? Uh, I read this week. Uh, let's see. Denise Balkasun had a good piece called I Tried to Talk to My Bosses About Racism at Work. Uh, just a general covering of that aspect of uh, the media industry. You should check it out. She's uh, the editor at Chatelaine. And also uh, Alex Bozikovic, or Bozikovic. I'm not too sure if that will. Well, anyways. He wrote a uh, opinion piece about uh, NIMBYism in Toronto, basically, for lack of a better term, uh, in the Armour Heights neighborhood and their community association opposing this hospice of all things. Not like a supervised consumption site or anything like you could at least halfway make some stupid conservative misguided argument about it like being dangerous. No, a hospice. Yeah. Like, And uh, he goes into some like problems with... Uh, Toronto city planning, but it's also just really like fun to read these like absolutely privileged people be like, literally go build it somewhere else, not in our neighborhood. That's like, that's like almost a direct quote. And it's like, it's off the 401. It's like there, and one of the things, the building wouldn't fit the community character. Go fuck yourself. Fucking NIMBYs. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's why. How good do you think your neighborhood is? How good do you really think it is? I've been to our. I've been to that area. It's not that special. It's by the four hundred one. It's by. It's, yeah. It's like. It's a really awkward like subdivision in the middle of Toronto that's like far away from all transit. Yeah. Like you have to like take like you have to do a five minute walk and then bus to a subway station kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. We should just build a parking lot on their entire neighborhood. Um. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! I'm down. So for. For this segment, um, I wanted to shout out, first of all, Candleland staff for unionizing. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to our brothers and sisters. Yeah, we're going to start a big shiny takes union. I'm assuming Marino's going to be management, so we just got to make sure that he doesn't doesn't Uh, take us for all we're worth. He's got the best mustache out of all three of us, so. (laughs) Yeah. He definitely has uh, management potential. Yeah. And oh, and thanks, but guys. now a uh, piece of writing that I quite liked is a piece by an Edmonton-based feature writer for the Globe and Mail named Janet Pruden. Now Janet Pruden used to work for a little newspaper called the Medicine Hat News. So I already have an affinity for her. And she also is a fantastic writer who takes on very interesting stories. And this one is called Hitchhiker Hero Celebrity Mm. Killer, The Strange Journey of the Man Called Kai. Now, this was a fellow who became a viral sensation in 2013 after he saved a guy from being killed with a hat with his hatchet a fellow was going to be driven over and he hatcheted the driver and then a few months later he was charged with murder so it's a very interesting story it's like a netflix documentary but good so uh that's it for me it was nice talking to you all we'll be uh, coming with a bonus episode later in the week. 
Okay, bye. Bye. bye.